Thank you, Angela, for that story, and thank you, children, for your participation and your presence in worship today. It's good to uh, see so many kids up here Sunday after Sunday. Uh, today is the last Sunday in the sermon series that I've been calling New Year, Same Promises. It occurred to me that every year we begin the year with these resolutions, these promises we make to ourselves, promises we make to others, promises that we make to God. And for many of us, it doesn't take very long before we have broken all of those promises or most of those promises. And so I decided instead of focusing on the broken promises that we often make at the beginning of a year, that maybe it would be good to focus on the promises of God, the promises that God always keeps. And so that's what we've been doing over these first few weeks of the new year. Uh, Today's passage of Scripture comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. And the title of the sermon today and the theme for this final sermon in the series is God's promise of freedom. God's promise of of freedom. Now, uh, our scripture lesson this morning, it's kind of Moses' last hurrah. It's his last sermon to the people of Israel before he rides off into the sunset. And so maybe it's a good idea before we focus on these five verses to just sort of refresh our memory about what's been happening in Moses' life and in his ministry. You might remember that the Israelites were enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt for 400 years. And they'd been crying out to God for God to liberate them from their captivity. And according to the book of Exodus, God hears their cries and God decides to respond to their cries by sending this man Moses. And God is going to work through Moses and through a series of plagues to get Pharaoh's attention so that ultimately Pharaoh will let these people go. And that's exactly what happens. Moses goes, he's an instrument of God, these plagues occur, and finally Pharaoh just says, get out, just get out of here, leave me alone. And they're on their way away from one land, and God already begins describing for them a new land, a different land, a good land. We know it as the promised land. It's a land that is described in the book of Exodus as flowing with milk and with honey. Now, this new land that God promised for the people of Israel, if they'd gone in a straight line, they would have gotten there in about two weeks. And yet, according to the book of Exodus, it took these Israelites and their illustrious leader Moses some 40 years to get from the land where they came from to this new land that had been promised to them. And if you start reading through the book of Exodus, you begin to understand that the reason why they took 40 years for them to get what should have taken them two weeks is because these folks still had a lot of lessons that God wanted them to learn. 
And so by the time we get to our text today, they are finished wandering in the wilderness. The promised land is on the horizon. And Moses is geared up for one last sermon that he wants to share with these folks. And he wants to share it to these folks because they have constantly complained all along on the journey. They have continually criticized his leadership. And so he's got them one last time, his captive audience, and he says, you are about to inherit the promised land that was promised to you, but I'm not going with you. You're going to be on your own. You're going to have to find some new leadership to listen to, but you are about to head into this promised land all by yourself. And then he shares this somber word. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Well, at least that's what the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible says. The Hebrew, uh, according to Hebrew scholars, is a little bit more straightforward. Instead of, I set before you life and prosperity, the Hebrew is actually, I set before you life and goodness. Instead of death and adversity, the Hebrew literally means death and evil. Now, I like that second translation better because it uses goodness and evil and it sort of takes us all the way back to the beginning of creation when God created this beautiful garden called Eden. And guess what? In the middle of that garden, there was this tree. And this tree was called the, garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I like that translation because I think that Moses here is not just talking about you get to choose whether you're going to have a comfortable life or an uncomfortable life. No, Moses is talking about something much more serious, much deeper. He's talking about the moral implications of the choices that they will make. He's talking about the ethical implications of the choices they were made. He's talking about you can choose life and goodness, you can choose death and evil. This is the same choice that humanity has been faced with ever since the Garden of Eden. The choices you make today have a profound impact on the life that you will experience. One path leads to life and goodness the other path leads to death and evil. But there's only one problem. I only have one rub with Moses and his last sermon that has been remembered for all time. When has life ever been that easy? When has it ever been easy to just discern, oh, I only have two choices. One's really good and one's really bad. The truth of the matter is, is that if your life is anything like mine, seldom do you get presented with just two choices, one clearly good and one clearly bad. 
In fact, you typically, life presents us with a multitude of choices. And it is really hard as we examine those choices to clearly discern, well, this path is always going to lead to good, and this path is always going to lead to bad. Moses, man, you could have done a better job in this final sermon. It is not that easy to discern good and bad choices. It reminds me of when I was in seminary. When I went to Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, one of the things that they wanted to make sure that we seminarians knew is that there was all sorts of different ways that you could do ministry. And so one of the things that they required of us when we were in seminary is that you had to participate in ministries beyond the local church because they wanted you to be somewhat aware that, that there are lots of ways to serve God in the world. You don't have to be a local church pastor to do it. Now, I showed up in seminary thinking that I was going to be a local church pastor. And so I didn't see the point in doing these ministry settings outside the local church because it was clear in my mind the path that I was supposed to take. And then all of a sudden, I get into these other ministry settings, being a chaplain for a construction firm and uh, being a late stages Alzheimer's chaplain at Wesley Woods Geriatric Center that I began to really wonder, what path am I supposed to take? I could see some, some really life-giving good things in each one of those paths. And so I, I, I sort of freaked out a little bit. I, I, my certainty was gone. And so I, I started praying and praying and praying to God. All right, God, I want to clearly discern what is it that you want me to do with my ministry. And so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And if God ever answered that prayer, I was never convinced of it. I couldn't tell which path should I choose. So, so I went to my advisor, and I said to my advisor, look, this has really gotten me confused. I, I came in here thinking I was going to be a local church pastor, and, 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 and now I'm not so sure. How can I clearly discern that the path of God wants me to take and follow that? And my advisor, one of the few things that I vividly remember from my seminary experience, my advisor looked at me and said, Tommy, Sometimes when you've prayed and prayed and prayed for God to reveal the right path for you to go on, there may not be just one right path. And so it's probably a better idea to just choose a path and do it. And if it ends up being a bad path or the wrong path, guess what? God's grace can still be found when you take the path that you decide later may not have been the path that you wanted to go. Now clearly, I decided to become a local church pastor after all, and there's been a lot of goodness and a lot of life-giving aspects to this ministry that I have pursued as my vocation and call. And yet, I have no doubt that if I had chosen a different path, that's not anything like the path that I did choose. I could have also found life-giving aspects on that path. I could have also found a lot of goodness. I'm convinced of that. It's never that easy 
to discern the right path. It's not so easy to say that there's one good one and there's one bad one. So that brings me back around to the question, Moses, why did you only give me two choices? Why did you say that there's one path that leads to life and, and goodness and one path that leads to death and to evil? Well, I get the sense that Moses thought it must have been a lot easier than what it oftentimes appears to me. All we know is that these verses that are recorded from Moses' last sermon were probably written down and shared years and years and years and years and years after he preached it. And, and as we read those passages of Scripture today, it's clear that they're, doing, they're serving a couple of different purposes for us. First of all, they were written probably after Israel had already experienced deportation and exile because of some of the choices that they ended up making. And, and it's a way of explaining this is what happened to Israel and this is why it happened. They didn't make good choices. But even more importantly, perhaps, this, these verses of Scripture are here for future generations like you and me to remember that our choices do have implications, that our choices do determine in some way where we end up going. We have the freedom to choose. We get to choose the path that we will walk on and abide by and go forward with. That is one of God's promises. And what I think God is trying to communicate to us in this story in Deuteronomy is that He wants us to do what Israel didn't always do. Love God, walk in God's ways, and keep God's commandments. God wants us to realize that every day we get the freedom to make choices and that those choices we make put us on a path. Now the path may not always be clear. The path may not be clearly identifiable as good and life-giving and bad and evil-producing. Uh, the, the choices, uh, even though we might make the right choices, does it automatically mean that in making the right, taking the right path and making good and life-giving choices, it doesn't mean that bad stuff won't still happen to us? There's all sorts of stories in the Bible about people who chose the right path and ended up experiencing difficult days. But more times than not, when you and I seek to make choices that give life and that are about goodness, we will put ourselves in the best position to experience life and to experience goodness. In one of the best books that I've ever read, a book that I read uh, once a year usually, uh, Andy Stanley's Principle of the Path, that's what he talks about. That, that each one of us, our choices put us on a path. And it is, your, uh, it is your direction on the path and not your intentions that will lead to the destination. You know, you can have every intention of losing weight, 
But if you eat 5,000 calories a day and you never get off the couch, I don't care what your intentions are, you're probably not going to lose weight. If you want to lose weight, you've got to move in the direction where weight loss can be experienced, eating better, exercising more. If you want to go to Florida on vacation, if that's your intention, I don't care how badly you want to go, if you go west when you pull out of Murfreesboro, you're not going to get to Florida. The direction that you take, the path that you take, is what's going to determine whether or not you end up in Florida. God has promised us that we have the freedom to make choices. And what Moses wanted the people of Israel to hear and what Moses wanted us to hear is that while you have the freedom, how important it is to choose the path that most likely leads to life and to goodness. And my prayer is that God will grant us the grace to so choose the paths that most likely end in those destinations.